This podcast is produced by Unedited. In fact, I would say it's better to experience smaller growth consistently over a longer period of time. And that's what the 1% is. Just just experience 1% growth every day. And if you can experience that 1% growth every day over a longer period of time, you're going to be in a much better footing than you are if you experience a really short-term spike in growth. Hello and welcome to episode 176 of In The Moment with me, Alex Manzi. And every week on this podcast, we hear the stories of inspirational guests to help you find more clarity in your thinking and to help you experience a greater sense of happiness in your life. And having been through my own battles of depression and anxiety, I decided to create this platform to help you with your mental, physical, emotional and spiritual growth. But before we jump into this week's episode, I'm super excited to announce that my book, The Search for Clarity, is out now. And the book shares my experiences and biggest learnings of living in a negative headspace to now living from a place of clarity and happiness and how you can do the same too. It shares some of my personal experiences, my biggest learnings and some stories from my own life to help you understand how you can live from a place of clarity and happiness for yourself. So to get hold of a copy or for more information, simply head to thedreamersdisease.co.uk forward slash clarity or if you're a Kindle reader, you can get a version via the Amazon store too. So on this week's episode, we have something a little bit different because as part of the release of my book, The Search for Clarity last Friday, I jumped on an Instagram live and hosted a book release party where I broke down the inspiration behind writing the book, some of my life lessons and understandings while writing the book, and also answered questions from those people who got involved in the live stream. So during this episode, we speak about the difficulties I faced during the writing process, the importance of self-love, having non-negotiables for yourself, and wanting to make a change for yourself. So the aim of this podcast is to inspire. So if you like what you hear in this episode, be sure to share it with a friend and spread the love. But right now, let's jump straight in and hear this episode. Hello, hello, hello. We are live. Welcome. Today is the day we are celebrating because my book, self-published book, The Search for Clarity is out today. And yeah, we're live on Instagram. We're live on the podcast. So welcome everyone who's joining. Um, we're going to be answering some questions. I'm going to be telling you a little bit about the book and what inspired it. Welcome everyone who's joining on Insta. Welcome Valencia. Welcome Larry. Welcome Jenny. Hope you're good. Um, we're going to be here for the next hour or so. Welcome Diana. Welcome Yuga Shinkoko. So we're here to celebrate the release of my book, The Search for Clarity. I've got my beer. I got a smile on my face. I got my book. So we got the next hour together. Um, so yeah, feel free to ask me anything you want about me, about life, about the book. Um, a lot of people have been asking me, you know, what inspired me to write the book? And really for me, it was about my personal journey. Um, and I wanted to start putting this book together at the back end of last year. And for me, it was super important because I, I thought that, you know, I've got like a lot of writing on my laptop. Some of them are blog posts, some of them are weekly newsletters, some of them are just random thoughts and things I've never released. And what I thought I would do is I'd pull them together into what was originally going to be an ebook. And I originally wanted to focus the, the ebook around the in-focus sessions of the podcast. So I was going to pull together all like the semi-scripts and bits of writing that have to do with the in-focus sessions. And I wanted to make a in-focus ebook for people to, to download and read because that's where I get the most uh, feedback from on the podcast. A lot of the feedback is on the in-focus sessions and the learnings of my own that I share. Um, but then as I kind of started to pull things together and I started to kind of um, arrange the writings and go through everything, I realized that there was a lot more than what I thought. So I thought I would do is pull everything together and go through it all and try and, and try and shape it into something that was readable basically. And it wasn't just like individual bits of writing. So I pulled together over a hundred bits of writing, went through them all with a fine tooth comb, figured out what I wanted. Um, shout out all of you joining in on Instagram. Shout out Moz, shout out Danny, uh, shout out Tolu, shout out uh, Hanish, hope you're all good. Shout out Bahara, shout out Catherine. Um, so I pulled together all of these learnings basically and then threaded it together in, in, in a book that kind of tells my journey as well as the learnings that I've made through the last like seven or eight years really. Um, and yeah, it just kind of, it kind of started to flow really nicely. So I started to get really excited about it. And as I was piecing it together, I thought, you know what, this is great. And I'm going to gas myself up a little bit. This is great. Like there's so much information in this. I don't want this just to be an ebook. I want this to be a book. So I started to look into how to, how to get it published, how to get it printed. 
um, and went through the process of doing all of that myself because I like to do a lot of things myself and put myself under that pressure. Um, and that's kind of why the book exists, really. Um, so, yeah, it's super cool. Hope you guys can join me for a drink. Um, we're celebrating. Thank you to everyone who's joined in on Instagram Live. If you don't want to ask me any questions, pop them in the comment down below. If you want to know anything about the book, anything about me, about my journey, about any of the things you see me posting about on my Instagram or on the podcast, feel free to pop a question in down below. Uh, to give you some more information on the book, basically, it's broken down into four sections. So there's four sections that kind of really underpin my journey, I guess. And it kind of, um, <laughs> Bahara said he's just had a fruit smoothie. I'm having my beer to celebrate. That's amazing. Uh, we need some music for the party, says Tolly. Oh, man, I didn't think about that. Um, I'll try and pull some up halfway through, maybe. Um, but yeah, so the book's kind of broken down into... Um, four sections so the first section is about understanding and it's about understanding the journey of what happiness is about um, and kind of all the things that I learned in that process of trying to really understand what it meant to be happy and what happiness was and where it comes from the second part is about the mind and it's about understanding um, the things that go on in your mind and the way that your mind works and the way that your mind reacts with your thinking the way that your mind reacts with the way you feel about things the way you experience life through your thinking um, the third part is about self-love and why that's so important as I hopefully we should all know self-love is one of the most important things in the world to do for yourself. If you can't love yourself, how can you ever truly love someone else in the same way? Um, and then the fourth part is about freedom and about living within the freedom of life and everything that um, kind of uh, comes with that, you know. So we had a few questions come in here on Instagram. When did you start coaching? It's a great question. Um, so I started coaching full-time officially committing to it uh, beginning of lockdown uh, but I've been doing it on and off for a couple of years and um, there's been a few people that I've worked with over those years some who are in here some who are not um, and I just it was just something I got more and more interested in I guess as I went on my own journey and I was learning and people were kind of always coming to me for advice or, or, or DMing me and asking questions and stuff I thought that you know all of this information that I've taken on for myself through my journey I thought you know, there's something more I can do with this other than the podcast, other than things like the book, other than the videos on Instagram. Like there's, there's a way that I can really impact someone's life day to day, one to one. So I started looking into the idea of coaching and I reached out to um, an old friend of mine, John Dashfield, shout out John, who's a mentor of mine now, who's been coaching for over 15 years. And we met up for lunch and we just had a bit of a catch up really. And I mentioned to him, look, I'm thinking about this idea of coaching. I know that you do it. Like, can you give me some advice? Um, and he was really great with the advice he gave me, told me some sort of books and resources to, to look into, into any courses that I wanted to look into if I wanted to do that. Um, and he's kind of sort of been by my side the whole way. He's kind of always turned to him for advice and we share ideas. So very similar in the way that we, we see the world and we think about things. And then, yeah, he was just like, look, I think the best thing for you to do is to just start trying to coach. Like you can't, it's the same with anything, right? You can't start learning to do something until you start doing it. So just start trying to coach. So I started to coach, yeah, I think just over two years ago. I was kind of doing it part-time outside of work. Um, and I kind of went in and out of it. I wasn't really fully committing to it because I had, you know, other things going on with full-time work and just the podcast and stuff. And I was, I was putting my attention in other places, although I knew that my mind was always coming back to this idea of coaching and, and why I was passionate about it. So then when lockdown hit and I was supposed to be traveling this year, I took it as a sign. I said to myself, do you know what? Maybe you're not supposed to travel this year. Maybe you're supposed to actually put some time in and some effort and focus into the coaching um, that you want to do. So I went out and I found a coach, um, shout out Sachin, who's been working with me, who's been um, sort of coaching me on the business side of coaching because that's the thing that's always scared me the most. Um, and together we've been doing amazing things and yeah, I've got eight clients so far, which is sick. So I'm really happy to kind of be doing it full time now. Cause it's, you know, the thing that I'm the most passionate about. Um, so yeah, thank you for, for asking. That's the kind of journey and I'm excited cause I feel like I'm just at the beginning of it and I know there's loads more to come. So it feels like a really exciting time. So yeah, shout out you for the question, but, uh, Diana has asked what I did for work before. So work before, so my journey has been a bit weird. So I spent, and when I left school, I went traveling for four months to Brazil doing voluntary work. And then when I came back, I knew that I wasn't going to uni because I knew that I didn't want to um, study anything. I knew that I didn't like school and I didn't have anything that I wanted to study. 
So I decided that I'd try and get a job in like media or some sort of cool creative industry because I was kind of felt like that was the vibe that I was after. Um, however, I spent a year not working. <laughs> I spent a year being a bum. Um, and I think to be honest, that's when my kind of depression really settled in was like a year of not doing anything because I felt like I was a waste of space. Um, and then I got a job with a family friend working in a factory and I ended up working there for two and a half years and pretty much hated every day of it. Again, that kind of facilitated my depression. <laughs> um, I laugh about it now because I can in a way, but at the time it wasn't very funny, obviously. Um, and then I kind of got a foot in with my friend and another mentor of mine, Ben, Shout out Ben always, lots of love to him and his wife and their beautiful baby. Um, and he gave me a chance to kind of be an intern at his events and marketing company because marketing was something that I was kind of into and it was that creative space. And then I kind of just progressed through there. I went from that job, I went into advertising. I was an assistant TV producer. I worked at Grey London for a year and a half. Again, didn't really enjoy the job, but there was a certain elements of it that I didn't really enjoy. Meanwhile, I had a music blog that me and Moz um, and our other, other boy Joe started together. And we were getting some traction through the music industry and the kind of things that we were sharing and getting a bit of a, um, getting a bit of a following really in terms of within the music industry. And then it ended up with me landing a job working at BBC Radio One Extra as their social media manager. The role had just been created. So I was the first person to take the job, to take, take the role. <laughs> and then from there, I kind of had to shape their whole um, social strategy and do a lot of work behind the scenes in terms of like, how the social media would work within the companies, within the teams. Shout out Joe, he's just jumped in, shout out Rich. Um, so I had to do a lot of work within the, the, the behind the scenes within the company, as well as like create a voice for One Extra. And I spent four and a half years there. And then I went freelance, um, which was amazing. That kind of set me free to do the, more of the things I wanted to do. That's when I put out my first ebook. That's when I started looking into coaching more. Um, that's when I started going more serious on the podcasting. Um, and Joe saying that my mic is begging for a quick 16. I'll wait for you to do that, Joe. You can come and join me in a sec. You can spit some bars. Um, and then, yeah. And then from there, um, as I started freelancing more, I started having more freedom. I, I did some traveling at the beginning of this year. And then, like I said, came back and, and I got into coaching sh straight off the bat. Um, so thank you for the question, Diana. Gilvan has asked, where did you find most, uh, where do you find mo motivation, inspiration, to shift from depression to your actual state of mind. Um, I've kind of everywhere, really. I think I had to do a lot of internal work in terms of like realizing what was going on within me. Um, a lot of this is in the book, which is why I've put it together and shared it. Um, but it's, it's, I had to look at myself and I think what I've realized is that the, the reality that we, we live within our lives is only shaped through the way that we, we see the world through our thoughts and our feelings. So when your thoughts and your feelings are coming from a space which is negative, your reality is going to come back at you looking negative. Whereas when you open up that space and you allow more, more love, more openness, more oneness, uh, more stillness into your life, you're coming from a space which is a bit more positive, a bit more free, a bit more, a bit more you, I would say. And that's when your reality and the life that you're living appears a lot more positive through the way that you think about it, because you're coming from a place, a foundation, which is so strong and, and, and uh, deeply built in self-love that you kind of you you get to a point where you're just like I can enjoy anything how I want to enjoy it or if something does go wrong you know that that's not going to have too much of a bearing on you whereas when you're coming from a negative space you allow things to build up you allow everything to get on top of you, you allow your thoughts to take over you allow the feelings to stay around you get you attach yourself to the bad feelings you attach yourself to a lot of the things that um we don't like for some reason we attach ourselves to, to, the, to the pain and the suffering of life because we don't want to feel any more of it but we attach ourselves to it because we find pleasure in knowing that the pain's going to end but then we feel pain in knowing that the pleasure will end eventually and I think that was a really important learning of mine is like um, is, is understanding how how our thoughts and our reality is shaped by the way that we a view ourselves but also the space that we come from within ourselves and how that shapes the way that we live so when I started to go down this, this, this route of like finding things motivational and inspirational, I found that a lot of it was touching me personally. And that's when I started to look inwards and think, okay, so this is talking to me personally. Like it felt like it was talking to me personally. What is it that's going on inside me that is shaping the rest of it? Um, so I hope that answers your question, Gilvan. Thank you for it. It's a great one. 
Emma has said, loving the coaching sessions, the best thing I have done for myself has opened my thoughts of how I was thinking and put so many things into perspective. Thank you, Emma. Appreciate that. Um, and thank you for showing up each week to, um, to the, to the, to the sessions as well and, and showing love and being you and bringing everything to the table. I really appreciate it because you sharing your experiences and the whole group sharing their experiences helps everyone else learn as well. So I appreciate you being there. Um, across the bridges asked, can you recommend any coaching courses? To be honest, there's loads, there's loads. I'm, I wouldn't be able to recommend which ones are the best, or which ones aren't. There's, there's hundreds. There's like the coaching Academy, there's animas, there's like all of these coaching gurus that you see online. I think for me, the best thing, the best thing that, that put me into the space and I've read it twice now, uh, for coaching is a book called the prosperous coach. And that just basically tells you like what you need to be doing as a coach in terms of like how you need to show up for your clients, how you need to be, and some of the business side of it. So the prosperous coach is the best starting point for anyone who wants to get into coaching, in my opinion. Um, congrats on the Brooks. <laughs> Rich, thank you, bro. Um, great work with me at Spotify. It was great with you too, man. Um, shout out Tolu again. Shout out Gabby, who's in. Franimal. Shout out Ash, Liam. Um, Self-love is the key. Says across the bridge. Um, and it is man like for me like the self-love changed a lot and I try and preach that to as many people as possible and again that's why the whole third section of the book is about self-love and being on that journey of self-love because like we don't realize like the way that we love ourselves and the way that we show up for ourselves is the most important thing in the world and it it angers me to a certain degree that we don't get taught this in school we don't get taught in school why self-love is so important and why we should do it or how to do it because it is the most important thing going like if you don't love yourself you can't be true to yourself you can't have self-belief in yourself you can't feel worthy within yourself you can't value yourself and if you're bringing that lack of value that lack of love into every other situation in your life then what's happening there is you're just you're just showing up as someone who is not worthy as someone who's not good enough as someone who's not loved and i'm going to shout out ryan nile who's just jumped in because he always tells me this quote the way you do anything is the way you do everything. So if you don't love yourself to yourself, then how are you showing up into any other space, being able to be good enough, being able to be your best, being able to be worthy, to be valued if you don't believe it from yourself. And that's why self-love is so important. And it's, it's honestly like one of the best journeys you can ever go on is learning how to love yourself as much as possible. That it changes so much for you. Um, Liam has said, I'd be interested to know what you would recommend to not get back to in crazy active <laughs> the lifestyle when we're off we're back in the office and trying to squeeze everything out like work travel gym etc i think for me it's not so much like things that you shouldn't get into it's knowing what your priorities are like knowing what your priorities are for yourself because when you know what your priorities are they become your non-negotiables right like so for me my morning routine is my non-negotiable. Like I have to have that hour, hour and a half to myself most days of the week so that I can show up and be the best in every other area of my life. If I don't have the time to do that, time in inverted commas, then I'm just going to feel drained. I'm going to feel burnt out. I'm going to feel everything else is going to start slipping. So I need to make sure that I maintain my routine in the morning of my self-love, self-care routine, which is, you know, working out, stretching, healthy breakfast, meditating, some reading, um, showering, just taking my time to do me, not looking at my phone in the morning. That's a key one. Um, it helps me to re-energize. So I think it's not so much about things that we shouldn't do when we go back to life. It's what are the things that you've done in lockdown, which have really benefited you personally that you want to keep in your life and how can you keep them there? Even if it means you have to do your meditation 10 minutes before you go to bed or first thing in the morning when you get up or you're reading or you're writing, or that cool thing that you've been doing, the yoga, the, the online gym classes, make sure that time goes into your diary, into your day, into your week, and it doesn't move. Make it a non-negotiable, because when you let that slip, you let everything else slip as well. Remember, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. So when you let one area of your life slip, everything else slips, and the things that you can do the best for yourself are the things that you prioritize for yourself. So I think that's the most important thing for me that I've learned in lockdown is like, prioritizing that time for yourself because it's easy as well to like let that slip when you get back to day-to-day -day life and I think a lot of people are being faced with spending time on themselves and having emotions come up and having this time to actually try and process stuff and it's been quite hard but I think ultimately a lot of people have got through that by finding things to anchor themselves in where 
they're not distracting themselves, but they're actually doing work on themselves. And that's why things like reading, meditation, exercise, um, going out for a walk, whatever is, is so great because it anchors you in that space of like, actually we are here because we're going to, I'm doing this for myself. If that makes any sense at all, <laughs> I'm sure it does. Uh, so shout out, uh, Emma again, what's Emma said? Um, I've never opened up to others properly before and would find it <laughs> so daunting to share my, <laughs> my, um, my worries with other people in the group. So thank you for the, for being the best coach. Thank you, Emma. Shout you out. Um, shout out Gemma who's jumped in. Shout out Shaw. Shout out Kieran. Shout out Nikki. Everyone jumping in on the live. Um, loving your book so much and all your content. Thank you, says Gemma. Thank you. Uh, what's your favorite chapter? Please read an excerpt. Oh, Joe, my man. My favorite chapter. Man, that's like asking me like, what's my favorite baby? Like, which one's my favorite child? Which one's my favorite podcast episode? You can't do that. But I think the one, let me find a short one so I don't, uh, don't spend too long on it. I think the best one for me is, hmm, let's have a, let's have a look. There's a lot in here, to be honest. Actually, do you know what? I'll read you the first chapter because it sets everything up for the book and hopefully it, um, it explains a lot to yourself. So it's called, chapter one's called Break Yourself Down to Build Yourself Up. Opening quote is, when I was younger, I ne neglected myself in a big way. Now I do everything for myself. And the chapter reads as so. The lowest moment I ever had was when I, was, when I had a breakdown in front of a girlfriend of mine. We were mid-arguing and I just flopped onto the bed and burst into tears. When she asked me what was up, the only words I could get out were, I don't feel like me, over and over again. This was the moment I fully surrendered to my depression and severe anxiety. This was the moment that my life changed. From that day on, I set off on a journey of self-discovery. I had to ask myself the toughest questions, like, who are you? What do you stand for as a person? What do you like to spend your time doing? What don't you like doing, etc. And it was really, really tough because I didn't know the answer to any of them. And I felt as though I didn't know who I was. I had to deconstruct everything I thought I knew about myself, completely tear myself apart, metaphorically speaking, obviously, and learn how to build myself up again. I had to learn all about me and who I was. I had to reshape my entire life. And not just on the outside, I had to completely reshape my life on the inside. And this journey is very hard. In fact, it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, but it was easily one of the most fulfilling processes I've ever been through. Building myself back up brick by brick is what's given me such a huge sense of self-awareness and self-assurance in my life. I now know that no matter what external factors don't go my way, I cannot be compromised so easily on the inside. The journey I've been on over the past few years, the lessons I've learned and the experiences I've had are many of the reasons I enjoy writing. It helps me to not only share my understanding, but it helps me to process it myself. And that's a huge part of why this book exists. Chapter one. So that's your excerpt. Thank you, Joe, because um, it's actually quite relatable to a conversation we had um, probably about a year ago when I said to you, bro, you're on the best part of your journey because you're able to start from some scratch. You're discovering yourself. You're going to discover so much more about yourself and you are fully like on that journey. And I love it. Um, Moz says, proud of you. Thank you, bro. Um, <laughs> love how open and honest you've been with this. Thank you, Tolu. I appreciate that a lot. Uh, thumbs up from Diana. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, to be honest, like all of the chapters, within the book pretty much share a personal story of mine or something that relates to that. There's actually only one chapter, which isn't about me, which is about one of my friends, which is just really inspiring about how he, how he changed his life around. Um, I'm going to have a swig of my beer cause it's getting warm. But basically my friend, uh, I won't give you his name, but he's called M in the book. And, um, he, he used to, he's from Italy and hello Rachel hello Tizzles welcome um yes I am Italian Diana I am C <laughs> all my Italian friends are going to be laughing at that because that's pretty much all I can say um so my Italian friend M he came over from Italy a couple of years ago and he basically when he was in Italy he had a really successful uh, business as a journalist um, he'd built up his own platform and he was quite a famous journalist in the area that he lived in in Italy that he'd even get stopped in the street and stuff. Um, and then he basically realized that he was miserable with what, what his life was and how he'd shown up for himself and what he'd built for himself. He was miserable with his life. So he decided to sell his business 
um, and wanted to get into the music industry because he's really passionate about music. So he basically um, decided to um, research the music industry in the UK because he wanted to come to London to be part of the music industry. So he spent six months researching, then he moved to London. Then we met because he reached out to me because I was working in the music industry at the time. And he was telling me about this journey he was going on. He wanted to be in the music industry and this, that, and the other. And he spent, I think like the first six, seven months he was in England, just networking with as many people as possible, trying to network, trying to, trying to put himself in positions where he could get a job, but he didn't get anywhere. <laughs> and he basically had to eat a massive slice of humble pie. And he, he was running out of all the money he'd saved up through selling his business and everything. And he had to um, go get a job part-time working in a coffee shop, um, which sounds like a massive fall from grace. Uh, and, and on the outside it is, but the change that I saw in him in that month or two was unbelievable. I have never seen someone go from being so, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, to just being really content and happy with their life, even though he was working part-time in a coffee shop, because he realized the freedom he had in his life, working part-time in a coffee shop, allowed him to focus on the thing that he was the most passionate about, which was documenting his time in London and also um, picking up his bass guitar and playing his bass again. And he was so happy with his life and he continues to be happy with his life. And he started to uh, teach bass now and he's starting to get some students on board. And it's just amazing. Like it's, for me, it's a really inspiring story because it shows you that you don't always need more. You don't always need the big thing. You don't always need the next thing to be content, to be happy in life. Like, just be happy where you are and what you're doing. And again, that comes down to the way that you view the world, the way that you think about it, the way that your thoughts are around it. And that's like, that. I think that's my favorite chapter in the book, to be honest, because it's the only one that's not about me. And I just think it's a really fascinating story. Um, so yeah, uh, what else we got here? Gemma says, please share the story about the monk and about the breath. Okay, yes, two sick stories. So one's in the book, one's not. So this story goes for everything, right? So one day there's a monk sat in his chambers and one of his students comes rushing in and he says, master, master, my meditation is horrible. I can't focus. I can't sit still. I'm getting frustrated. Like my legs are aching. I don't feel comfortable. Like it's not going great at all. And the monk looks up at his student and says, it will pass. And then two weeks later, the student rushes back into his master's chambers screaming, master, master, my meditation's fantastic. I can't believe it. I feel great. I feel so alive. I feel so energized. My focus is so good. I feel like a new person. And the monk just looks up at his student and says, it will pass. And it's a reminder that everything in life will pass. No matter whether it's good, bad, frustrating, happy, sad, whatever, they're all temporary feelings, all temporary moments in life that will pass. And that's just such a beautiful, simple story that teaches that. And it's something that I've really held close to me through the things that I, I coach, the things that I teach, the things that I try to share on the podcast, the things that I try to share on Instagram. Like I try and keep that story close to me because I think it's so beautiful in how simple it is in teaching what life is about and the temporary nature of, of life and the impermanence that is in every moment of our life. It's beautiful. Um, buy the book says Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> Alex and I discuss it in detail on my latest podcast. Yes, we do. Go check out the Ryan Nile show. Give it a listen. Uh, so proud of me, Tizzles. Thank you. Hello, um, Aisha. Hello, Hannah. Welcome aboard. Um, hope you're good. Lots of love to you guys. Um, hello, Surbi from India. Um, drop the mic, says, <laughs> says Gemma. Thank you. Amen. Lots of amens coming in. Which part of Italy is your family from? Okay, so this is a story within itself, right? So my four grandparents uh, are all from different parts of Italy. So my, my mum's mum is from Toscana up in the north. Uh, my dad's mum was from uh, Parma, uh, so Emilia-Romagna region. Uh, my dad's dad is from, um, oh God, I've had a mind blank, Ravello, which is on the Amalfi coast. And then my mum's dad is from Avellino, which is obviously outside Napoli. So half from the south, half from the north, pretty much 50% of me is from like one region in Italy in the south. And then my two grandmas are from like different regions in the north. So half and half is, is the answer to that. Um, where else have we got here? I think I saw another question somewhere. Where was that other question? Uh, Gemma's another Italian. Shout out, Gemma. I hope you guys have got a, a nice drink as well to celebrate. Um, when you started writing the book, 
how was your experience um so as i was explaining at the beginning it's weird because i would be lying i would love to have said that i wrote the book through lockdown but i would i would 100% be lying because like i said i had i had the writings across a lot of different things on my laptop like blog posts newsletters writings just like random thoughts and stuff that i hadn't released and i had to pull them together but i had to edit some of it because some of it didn't flow some of it was a bit outdated in the way that i was writing about something so i had to re-edit everything basically but i pulled it all together and it was actually really nice because the experience i had was realizing like when you when you when you read something it's a bit like reading a journal right when you read your journal from two years ago you almost remember straight away what headspace oh someone's doing a gardening um you always remember you, you almost remember straight away what headspace you were in when you wrote that thing and that's that's the um that's the experience i was getting when i was reading back through all of these writings because i was remembering the headspace and the experience i was having in life during that time and for me that was really powerful because it, it helped me remember and recognize how far I'd, I'd come since you know i think the earliest piece in the book is either chapter one or chapter two um Actually, it's one of the three chapters. I'm not sure exactly which one it was, but it's one of the three chapters. Is, is the first three chapters is the old, one of the oldest pieces I'd written. And from reading that to, to, to knowing the headspace I was in when I wrote it to where I am at now, it was a really, really great reminder of um, <laughs> new battery in my smoke alarm. I do, Liam. Can you hear it? <laughs> it started this morning. Um, yeah, it was a nice reminder of how far I've come on my journey. So um that was that was really nice to have that experience of like reminding myself although it's like day to day i know that i'm doing a lot of work and i'm doing a lot of stuff for myself and obviously like trying to help other people through coaching through the podcast through instagram now through the book too like it's nice to know where you're at on your own journey too and that you're continually moving forward and i think one of the most impactful yeah, I'd say one of the most impactful chapters in the book and the one that I always get the most feedback on when I talk about it is the 1% rule and just understanding that you don't need to experience a massive shift, a massive change, a massive um, experience of growth in a short period of time. It's absolutely fine. In fact, I would say it's better to experience smaller growth consistently over a longer period of time. And that's what the 1% is. Just, just experience 1% growth every day. And if you can experience that 1% growth every day over a longer period of time, you're going to be in a much better footing than you are if you experience a really short-term spike in growth. Like you see it all the time in, in popular culture, right? You see like pop stars, right? They come on the scene out of nowhere. They have one massive hit. They're like the biggest thing since sliced bread. They maybe have a second biggest hit and you never hear of them again. Whereas the artists who do the work and build a, an audience from the ground up are continually on the rise. And a great example of this is my friend Sinead Harnett. She's been grinding in music for so long. She's been doing so much work and she's been building her audience consistently every day, 1%, 1%, 1%. And now she's flying. Now she's like an amazing artist who has the ability to, to tour the world, um, has, has international fans all over the place. Like she's constantly getting love for her music. Like when she puts new stuff out, like it's just incredible to see. And I think that's a really important lesson in life, not just on like the outward, uh, the outward wins, like, but in your own personal journey, just to experience that 1% growth every day. That's all it takes. Some days it might be 5%. Some days it might be two, but as long as there's always that little 1% and that is literally like, say you wanted to, build up your strength right if you did 10 press-ups every day for a year 10 press-ups in a day is nothing right but by the end of the year you would have done 3650 press-ups in a year that's a lot but when you just look at the one percent when you just say actually i'm just going to do the one percent it seems so much more achievable and that's what's great about it is is um is recognizing the small wins every day um Shout out Momo, who's just jumped in. Love. If anyone wants to join me live, by the way, just feel free to request. Um, I would love to do it, but I'm getting carried away with what I'm waffling on about. Um, hello, Anthony. Hello, uh, Uma. We've got another question here from uh, Tolu says, what was the hardest part of the book writing process? Oh, that's a really good question, actually. Um, 
the hardest part of the book writing process I think was 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 organizing it in a way that made it kind of flow because like I said they they were individual bits of writing so they're not meant to flow as as one piece they're not meant to flow from chapter to chapter and to a certain degree they don't they're individual bits of writing but I had to find a way to make them flow or make sense following on from one another and I think that was the hardest part because I, I was like moving things like now this one should be up in this part this should be that chapter should be here this one should be at the end and I was moving stuff around so much and I originally only had three um three parts to the book understanding mind and self-love but then I realized that a lot of the, the the writings that I had didn't fit into those three categories which is why the fourth category the fourth part the final part now exists in um freedom because I realized that I wasn't actually able to express what I wanted those single bits of writing to do in the restrictions of the other parts. So that was, that for me was the hardest part was trying to figure out an order for all of these bits of writing that I was pulling together. And also to be honest, filtering out bits of writing, like it's really hard to look at something you've written and that you're really proud about. And like I said, there was over a hundred bits of writing that I started with. And to be like, no, I don't want that in the book. No, I don't want that in the book. So yeah, um, that, that was the hardest part was like filtering out bits of the book or like organizing bits of the book because it's like, it's like saying no to like your kids. It's like, no, you're not good enough today. Like go back at like, it's like, you can't do that. Like it's just, you wouldn't do that. Um, so yeah, it was definitely the hardest part. Uh, your journey is so inspiring. Thank you, Subi. Thank you for always uh, hitting me up with amazing questions as well. Smash it says you, Ocean Coco. Thank you. Uh, Diana says, who inspires you? Oh, that's an amazing, uh, amazing question. Um, who comes to mind right now? I'm going to shout out Megan, uh, Megan Roxanne. She is the founder of The Good Quote. If you're not following The Good Quote on Instagram, like that page, no exaggeration, has saved my life at times. Um, that's the page that really set me off on Instagram and and started going down this route of like trying to fill my mind with positivity like trying to just inspire myself to be better um so i always will shout out um megan and, and what she's built with her page and it's amazing like they've got tens of millions of followers across all their platforms and um, so always going to show love to them like the, the, the way they the, the way they curate and pull together and put out bits of just simple quotes like honestly i don't think they realize how much of a huge impact they're having on people's lives and what they, um, how they're actually saving people's lives. Like it's mad. So shout out Megan, who else inspires me? Um, some of my friends, like some of my friends, I just look at them. I think, do you know what? You're doing sick things. Like, uh, my two best mates, Joe and Moz, like Joe did his whole, uh, indoor cycle challenge at the beginning of lockdown, which just inspired so many people. Like honestly, it was the most like amazing thing. Um, and I've told him all of the ways that I thought it was inspiring, uh, many of them being not to do with him, <laughs> but were to do with him at the same time. And then Moz, like just seeing his journey through like music and stuff and like what he's doing in his life is always sick. Um, and just appreciate having them both in my life. Who else inspires me? There's a lot of people online who inspire me, man. Like Russell Brand is inspiring me a lot recently. Um, I love his content and the way that he makes such thought provoking stuff. Um, there's a lot of wicked podcasters who inspire me. Dr. Chatterjee is another one from Feel Better Live More podcast. There's a lot of people who have been on my podcast to inspire me, which is why I asked them to come on. People like Grace Victory, like Rich Free 2, um, people like Steph Ellswood, just like amazing people who are just doing such sick things. Like there's like other podcasters that I, I'm always in contact with, like Alex Reeves, Ryan Nile, like just, just people who are, who are doing things that aren't necessarily always about themselves. And I don't mean that in a way of, um, like being selfish I mean or like show like being like doing the inner work for yourself I mean like they're doing work and putting it out in the world to inspire other people that's what inspires me because obviously that's what I'm trying to do or I am doing to some extent so yeah thank you for that um what kept you going when you were down and out Oof, that is an amazing question I think a lot of the time and I've spoken about it before when I was like depressed and I was having like suicidal thoughts and stuff, I think I knew that I was never going to go through of anything because I felt like I was too attached to how it would make other people feel. So I think the answer to that question would be um, my family and friends. 
I think I didn't ever want to put them in a position where they were like, what the hell? Like, how has this happened? How did we not know? And I think that's what kept me alive on many occasions. Um, I won't go into detail on the occasions, but um, there are definitely times where, you know, it, it crossed my mind and I just knew that I wasn't going to do it. And what's, what's, and I can fully understand how people do get to that point because like I've been there, like not so close to the edge, but I've been there. But I think what's really important is that I think you get to a point in your life when you've just had enough and you either think to yourself, I'm going to end this or I'm going to change it. And I knew that I was never going to get to the point where I was going to end it. So my only other option was to change it. And that's kind of what I'd done. And I think, you know, through pulling through all of that, I think that's what's kind of kept me, kept me together is like that not wanting to disappoint other people. Um, but also just wanting to be the best I can be for myself and like wanting to, 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 to make the change for myself. That was the most important thing, like wanting to make the change for myself, because like I said, I got to a point where I just had enough of how I was living my life. Like I'd had enough of just being like waking up every day and just feeling like shit. Basically, I just wanted to, I wanted to live better. I wanted to live differently. I wanted to experience life in a different way. And I think once I realized what it was that I was going through, I had to go on that journey of like, um, making the change for myself because no one else is going to make that change for you. Like someone can inspire you. Someone can like guide you. Someone can support you. No one is going to make the change for you. Like you have to make the change for yourself. That change only comes from yourself. Like I can't do anything to change anyone here. Anyone who's listening to the podcast, like you can only make the change yourself and that's your choice. That's your decision. And I got to a point in my life where I was like, I've had enough of this. I want to change. I want to make the change. And it was hard. And like I said, it was hard, but you have to focus on the small 1%. Like don't focus on the change of like, bang, how can I make it happen straight away? And some instances it does happen. It could happen in, in certain moments. Yes, I agree with that. But if you want the, the change in your life to be long lasting, you have to focus on how that will, how that will play out in the long term. And if you're going for that big spike and that big initial hit, there's going to be a big fall straight after. Because if you're, if you're implementing incremental changes that lasts for a lot longer. Do you think more men are opening up about mental health struggles? Yes, I think um, I think they are. And I think it's really great because there's a lot of people out there now, people, you know, again, not just big, not myself, but who like myself, who aren't scared to share their journeys. And I think it just, it goes to show guys that it's okay. It's okay to share. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be soft. It's okay to be emotional. It's okay to feel stuff. It's okay to not feel great sometimes. Because I think we do get caught in that trap of like not knowing how to talk about our emotions and our feelings. Um, and I think as as young men growing up, there's a lot of work to do in educating that so that it doesn't continue to happen like that. And for me, it's it's really important to share that in my own message, you know, to share, you know, my story so that other guys see it and relate to it as well as, you know, don't get me wrong, I want, I want women to feel inspired as well. But I think that the... the the side of it that relates to men is really important because I think men, men are the biggest threats to themselves um, under the age of 35. So you're more likely to die uh, through suicide if you're under the, uh, under the age of 35 than anything else. So that tells you that you, you are the biggest threat to yourself if you're a male and you're under the age of 35 and that's not right because we shouldn't be in that position. So um, no one should be in that position, not just guys, like just in general, but that, that stat is really shocking. So yeah, I think a lot of people are um, are starting to open up and I think there's a lot of great platforms that facilitate it. There's a lot of great people who have podcasts or Instagram pages or, you know, books or, you know, articles or blogs or whatever that are sharing more. And I think that's it's really great to see, to be honest. Um, Subi has asked, will you be continuing more webinars? I will do, um, not right now because I've obviously been busy, busy with like the book and stuff but maybe like in a month or two, like the, the webinars will come back. Um, the webinars will come back um, because I really enjoyed doing them. <laughs> eh? But I think they're, they're really beneficial to people. Um, obviously right now I'm coaching on like my coaching, uh, sorry, focusing on my coaching. For, I've been focusing on the book, the podcast and stuff. So once I have a bit more freedom within all of that, I will definitely get back to, um, to the webinars. Uh, Across the Bridge says, I can see change happening too. Yeah, which is great. 
Gemma, what have you asked me? Will there be another book? <laughs> That's a great question. There will be. There will be. I don't know when. Don't ask me when. I actually don't know because I haven't even started it. I know exactly what I want it to be about. Um, I just need to start piecing it together and writing it. And I'm actually going to write this one from scratch. So it's going to be a lot longer process. It might it might even be out like next, like end of next year or like in two years. Like I actually don't know. Like I literally don't know. But there is definitely another book within my head. There's probably more, but there's one specific book that I know that I want to write about. And it's sharing like my main principles of like understanding of life, but like relating them in a way that you can make it digestible for someone who's reading it and not just be like, I like the spiritual books and I like the self-helpy books, but when they're too wordy and they're too technical, like it's really hard to take on board. So I like it to be a bit more digestible and a bit more um, understandable for people because sometimes it can be hard, right? Um, so yeah, that's that's what I'm uh, planning after this. I don't know when I'll start it though, saying that. What more can men do to reach out and talk more? Talk more, that's it. I think, it, I think the important thing for guys, I think is having a space where they feel comfortable sharing and that can be with a friend that can be with family that can be with a partner and i think if you're if you're a a a woman who's watching this a girl a lady a woman whatever you you know and you've got a partner i think and you want them to, to open up more it could be a brother it could be a son it could be a father it could be whatever like it's creating a space where they feel comfortable sharing and it doesn't have to be like so tell me what's been going on with you and what you're feeling like just create a space where it's comfortable you know you have those conversations with people when you feel comfortable with them and i think a lot of the time guys don't feel comfortable because they don't know how to talk about it. they don't know how to they literally don't know how to do it like i didn't know how to describe what i was feeling like, i literally didn't know how to describe it and in, in many ways i still don't like don't i'm still working on that and I think that having that space where it's a little bit comfortable and that space where you feel like it's a safe space to share is super important. And be that with a, like I said, with a partner, with a, with a friend, with a family member, with a colleague, like I think that space is really important and knowing that that is a safe space and, you know, whatever you're talking about isn't, isn't going to go beyond that. But I think it's also important to make it a two-way conversation don't just expect it to be like a therapy session where you're sitting there asking them questions and, and they're, they're sharing everything with you. You like, you have to have that element of sharing back as well. Like if you create a space of sharing, it becomes more comfortable for the other person to share as well. Um, so we said, do feelings pile up in the mind and create pressure? And I think giving space is the most important thing one can do. Um, yeah. Feelings do pile. I think the feelings don't pile up. I think what piles up is the thoughts. And I think what we do is we, we allow our thoughts to pile on top of each other instead of allowing them to come and go. Remember the story about the monk from the beginning, like whatever that thought and that feeling is will pass. But what we do is we don't let it pass. We grab onto it and we hold onto it and we want to keep hold of it because we want to try and make it pass. But the only way to let it pass is to let it pass. Instead, what we do is we get caught up in this idea. Like I need to do this to make it better. I need to do this to feel better. I need to do that to think better. But all you're doing is you're adding more thinking that like, into the equation and when you add more thinking into the equation, you're just piling up the emotions, you're piling up the feelings, you're not allowing them to pass, you're not allowing them to process. You're adding more of your own active thinking into the into the the mixing bowl, as it were. Sometimes you just need to let that be. Let it let be be with your bad emotions, be with the sad emotions, as well as you are the happy emotion. You know, you, you never have you know you never have a happy emotion. You think, oh, why am I having that? Like, oh, what can I do to 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 get rid of that? What can I do to you don't do that, but we do it with our, with our negative emotions because we see them as a bad thing, but they're not. We're human beings and we experience a broad range of emotions. Like there's a whole spectrum, <laughs> literally a whole spectrum of emotions that we can feel. But half of those we don't want to feel, so we push them away. But by pushing them away, you just create more conflict within yourself. And when you create more conflict within yourself, you're just inviting those bad emotions to come back at you even harder. So when you can be with them and accept them and, and truly be in that space of like, you know what? It's totally fine to feel how I'm feeling right now. I'm going to be with it. It will pass. Then you're, you're fine. You're golden. Like you have no, like you, you don't have to worry because you know it's going to pass. You don't have to add the, the, the thinking on top of it to wait for it to pass because you, you know that it will pass. And I think that's really important. Um, so I think that's it for time. I think we're going to, we're going to run out soon. So 
Um, I just want to say thank you to all you guys who have been locked in on, on Instagram. Um, shout out everyone who's been asking questions. Shout out everyone who's been listening via the podcast. I appreciate you guys a lot. Um, the book, The Search for Clarity, is out now. You can go and get it uh, via thedreamersdisease.co.uk forward slash clarity or you can go to the link in my bio on Instagram and you can find the link there. Um, the book shares my journey, my understandings, my learnings over the past maybe eight years. Nah, scrap that, over 32 years of life. Next time someone asks me how long it took to write the book, I'm going to say 32 years because it's all of my experiences and learnings in this book um, for you to, to digest for yourself, to help you on your journeys, to hopefully inspire some change for you, but also to show you that there is a way um, to, to living with more clarity and more happiness. And that doesn't mean you have to be in a bad place right now. You could be in a great place, but there's always a way to experience more clarity and more happiness or to live with that or, or to experience and understand more about it. So yeah, the book is out now. You can go and get it whenever you want to get it. It's available in physical copies. There's also signed copies you can get. Um, it is available to download as a PDF. Um, and it's also available on Kindle. If you go to the Amazon store and search the search for clarity, it will come up with a Kindle version. Um, and there is an audiobook version on the way very soon. Very soon. I don't know when yet. Hopefully in the next few days. But I would highly encourage you to get a physical copy because there's something impactful about reading a book that's in your hands and obviously you can make notes you can digest it you can do all of that good stuff so appreciate you guys uh karini's coming at last minute the search for clarity my book karini you can get it now uh it's available uh in the link in my bio so i appreciate you guys being here uh, lots of love hope you have a great friday um and a great weekend i will see you all soon those of you who are part of the meditation gang i'll see you at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning um peace lots of love See you soon and I appreciate you all. Thank you. So there we have it. I hope that you liked this one from my book release party on Instagram Live. And if you did like what you heard, then please be sure to leave a review and even better still, hit the subscribe button so that you get the latest episode straight to your phone. And if you know someone who you think would really benefit from hearing this episode, then be sure to send them a link or a screenshot because it's important we continue to spread the positive vibes and messages in episodes like this. I started this podcast to help inspire positive change and you can also be a part of that by sharing the love. So as ever, you can connect with me on Instagram at IamAlexManzi. Hit me up to say hello. Let me know what you learned from this episode. And if you want more information on the book or you want to grab a copy for yourself, head to thedreamersdisease.co.uk forward slash clarity. So thank you for listening and I will see you for the next episode. This podcast is produced by Unedited.